we have the mind of Christ. We know the word of God. We know the plans that God has for us. God says, all you got to do is speak them and I'll bring them. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. I believe God has given us opportunity in this hour. I believe God has given us opportunity in this hour. I believe God has given us opportunity in this hour. time for church as usual to where you come in and you hear a nice little sermon the pastor might say something that encourage and might strengthen and might do this folks with all of my heart can I say this with sincerity and desperation we need a gospel that challenges us to do what the gospel told us to do And I I pray that you believe that that's the church you're coming to because that's the pastor I strive to be. I want encouragement. I want want to be built up and to be strengthened and be lifted. But I want to be challenged because I know a wretched man that I am. Say, well, pastor, how do I get beyond that? By saying, Jesus, there's nothing in this world I need more than you. And the dedication of my life has to be to the purpose, the plan, the pursuit, and the passion to fulfill that call, to reach as many as we can. Amen? I'm going to ask the worship team to sit down, but don't go far because this is not going to be a normal morning. Proverbs 23 in your notes And you, you stay up. The piano players are sitting down so you guys can stay up here. Drummer, you're sitting down so you can stay up here. I'll let everybody else just standing sit down except for me. You can hear it in there, can't you? Okay. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, in context, that passage is talking about you and I taking the privileges of the wealthy and and trying to base our life on something the world might offer. But to always understand that the world has ulterior motives. Now I want you to listen to me this morning. The world has ulterior motives. Their world wants to bring you into its 
structure. The world wants you to play its game. That's why it always puts that. You ever, you know, you know the, the old fable, the old parable, the old picture of the, of the uh, carrot out in front of the cart, the horse, the donkey, whatever it is, just out there long, just far enough to where he, he, he stretches and stretches, but he just can't get it. That's what the world continually do, does to God's people. Well, you know, if you go this way, I'll give you just, if you go that way, I'll just. But we keep going and going and going until we're further and further and further away. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We're dealing contextually, but with motives, motivations, dedications. So in your notes and on the screen, in this truth, I must concede that it is much more what I do to myself than what others do to me that causes success or failure. This is a brand new series that I wanted to start. The world says seeing is believing. A lot of people say, well, if you show me a miracle, I'll believe. God just simply responds, if you believe, I'll show you a miracle. And that first miracle will be your life. will no longer be what it was. The title of today's message, I know I'm not known for, for little short titles, and I'm not known, but it's in your notes. Do we believe that we'll see what we believe? Do we really believe that? You see, I believe that I'm going to see all of my prayers come true. I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. One of the greatest prayers of my life is sitting on the front row, my wife. And if God can give me such an incredible woman as her, all the other prayers are simple. And I don't say that to win brownie points. I have a correct, incredible partner. I want to read some passages for a moment this morning quickly. I was going to borrow somebody's new living. Who's got a new living translation? Can I borrow your Bible, Carrie? Thank you. You're not going to get it back for a little while because I'm going to need it. I have the new international. I don't usually bring a new living with me. Thank you. But I want to read some things because... I'm here to pronounce the reason most of us cannot make the confession that I just made is because we have a wrong understanding of what faith and trust and belief is all about. Did you know that faith, trust, and belief is the exact same Greek word? I taught all of the church, as many would come on our Wednesday night a few months ago, how to study the Bible, how I get into the scriptures when I'm digging them out. And that word, faith, is the same word as belief, is the same word as trust when you go into the original language. The original language, the word is pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. So when you have faith, that means you trust. When, that, when you trust, that means you believe. 
See, there's not a, a passive comment or a passive word. They are very active words. And for us to be a people of belief, we have to begin to understand what does this faith life really means. Why? Because the Bible says without faith, we can't please God. In your notes, right under the the line that you just read, I want you to find it. It's right at the very top, and I want you to underline this. God has already established my victory. Do you see that in your notes? Do you see that in your notes? Underline these two words. Have I? You see, if God has already established your victory, then I can really believe that I'm going to see what I've believed. If I understand what the life of faith is about. David said in Psalm 3, 5-3, he said, In the morning, God, I lay my petitions before you, my requests, my desires before you, my ambitions, my hopes before you. And then look what he says. Look at the confidence of David. He said, And then I wait, expecting it to come to pass. What is the difference? I got one amen out of that statement. What is the difference between David and you and me? Let me read it again. He said, in the morning, God, before I do a single thing, I lay my request before you. And I wait with expectation. And I wait. How could David say that? Because he understood what a life of faith really meant. And by the time we're done with this series, I believe you're going to understand what a life of faith really is all about. But I can promise you, you're not going to like it. Because a life of faith is not about you. And we live in a world that's all about us. A life of faith is not about us. It's all about Christ. Why could David... All you got to do is remember what God called him. What God called David. A man after his own heart. That's why David could make that declaration. He said, I'm going to lay my request before you, God. And I know they're going to come to pass. Can you and I make that statement? Can you and I stand confidently and say, let's look at Matthew 8 just quickly as I go through this. The centurion man, we've, we've talked about him many times over many years, and you've probably heard about him many, many times. And many people think that this centurion could very well be the same centurion, Cornelius, that Peter went to to share the gospel. It could very well be the same, but we really don't know. But he came to Jesus because one of his servants were sick. Well, that gives you a picture right there. There's something different about this centurion because he's a Roman, and the Romans didn't care about all the rest of their servants. They were just they were just people there working. And he said, Lord, my centurion's sick. And Jesus said, I'll come and pray. And the centurion said, You don't have to come. Listen to what he said. Listen, all you have to do is speak the word, and my servant will be healed. Now think about that church for a second. Susan was talking about it. I'm, I'm sitting up here. Thinking, she's talking about the women's thing. 
get out of my message. Stop preaching. That's my message. You're not. But the reality, ladies and gentlemen, we have the mind of Christ. We know the word of God. We know the plans that God has for us. God says, all you got to do is speak them and I'll bring them. And then the centurion said, you know, I tell one to go and he goes. They tell another to come. And Jesus said these words. Look at this. I have not found so great a faith in all of Israel. You know, listen to that statement. So great a faith. This was not a man of faith. But this was a man that understood a life of faith. He knew who he was. And he knew who Jesus was. And he knew the relationship he could have with Jesus. Let me take you to Mark 11. I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, whatever you ask in prayer, believe. Say that word with me. Believe that you have received it. You notice the writing there? Past tense. It's already done. Okay, let me change the word. Whatever you have, or whatever you ask for in prayer, trust that you receive it. Trust that you've already got it. Let me change the word. Whatever you ask in prayer, Have faith that it's already done. Same word. Trust, faith, belief. So I ask, are you really believing that you will see what you believe? (coughs) Can I get a glass of water, please? You say, Pastor, well, I'm not as strong a Christian as you. Ladies and gentlemen, when I first got saved, I believed this. Do you know why? Because God's word advocates it. Greater is he that's in. No, greater is he that's in us than he who's in the world. So if that is true, then why would anything be held back from me? Because I don't understand this life of faith. So quickly, let's get into this. As a Christian, do we really believe we'll see what we believe? The simple way is just like the centurion. You've got to understand, begin to understand this life of faith. I make a statement that's in your notes and it's on the screen. Everything we do is a reflection of what we believe. Did you know when you decide to go someplace you shouldn't go, it's a reflection to everybody around you of what you believe? Do you know that every time you do something that you know you shouldn't do, well, pastor, how do I know? Because you're supposed to be a Christian. It's a reflection to everyone around you of what you believe. But more than that, it is a reflection to your heart of what you really believe. Why? Because every action we take is simply a reaction of the attitude of our hearts. 
This is why the Bible says, give no place to the devil. That's why the Bible says, flee temptation. Flee. Look at the, or look at the next line. If this is true, it's on the screen. Am I really limiting God because of my actions, my words, my attitude? The answer is very simply yes. Look at Psalm 78. It says they tempted and limited the Holy One of Israel. Why? They did not remember what he's already done. That they were already redeemed. I have people all the time say, well, Pastor, my flesh is weak. I agree. But your spirit is strong. But it's a choice. It's a decision that I have to make. Every time I face something, I've I've taught this to our, our men. I've taught this to people around the world. Did you know that if you want to stand against temptation, you have to make a decision about that temptation long before it ever happened? Long before it ever happened. The minute it shows up and you haven't made a decision about it, you're gone. Oh, I'm stronger than that. Tell Peter that. Jesus himself said, before the cock throws, crows, you're going to deny me three times. He even gave Peter a warning. See, we have to understand this life of faith. You say, well, pastor, wasn't Peter a man of faith? Yes, as much as he understood. Because over and over, was it not Jesus that said, O ye of little, what's another word? O ye of little trust. O ye of little belief. That's what it all boils down to. We have to remember what he has done every single time in the midst of what we are doing. When we fail to receive the victory in our everyday life, it is very simply a reason because we fail to remember all that God has already done and the victory that he has already given us. In the 119th Psalm, it's not on your notes, it's not on the screen, but go there and write it down. Verses 67 and 71. David is sitting there and writing and he said, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. See, I, I, I've, come to, I've come to realize that people don't fall into sin. We run to it. We dial up and make an appointment for it. We decide to move towards it. But ain't nobody ever fell in it. Oh, I'm getting some looks and say, well, what about me? Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But look at four verses later. He said, but I'm glad. I'm glad that I was afflicted because now I know your word, God. There's something about this life of faith. If we're ever going to see what we believe, if we're ever going to see what we believe, we got to first start to believe that we're really going to see it. Amen. I'm going to skip the next scripture. 
we must remember. It's actually, it's in your notes, so don't, don't freak out about it. But I'm skipping the Matthew scripture. We must remember what lies inside of us will always find its way outside of us. Once again, it's, it's not in your notes, but it's on the screen. I don't think I left any notes. Maybe I did. Proverbs 18. Life and death is in the tongue. When you read that passage in context, it's talking about the declaration of our faith, of our belief, of our life, who we're going to choose to follow, what we're going to choose to do. Let's go back to David, a man after God's own heart. In Psalm 5, he said, I lay my request before you and I wait in expectation. Why could David do that? Because of the life he chose to live for God was a, was a, a life that said, I'm not going to ask God for anything that I don't know he already wants for my life. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Look what it says here. He raised us from the dead along with Jesus Christ and seated us with him in heavenly places so that God could point us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace, kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. God saved you. God saved me by his grace when we believed, when we trusted, when we had faith in what he had already done. We can't take credit for us, but let me drop down to the last line there. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Look at this. I've underlined it in your notes, but you need to circle it. So we can do the good things he planned for us a long time ago. You see, the life that God wants you to live is only the life that he planned from the foundation of the world. I'm pastoring today not because I got some kind of anointed idea that I'm going to be a pastor. No, God called me to be a pastor many, many years ago. And I finally accepted the call. There's people sitting in this room. God has been calling you and challenging you and, and bugging you and knocking at your door. Well, you know, God, it's not exactly what I want to do. Is it about us? God gives people incredible talents and gifts and abilities. Why? To affect all those people. Look what he says here. That through the ages, you can be an example of his wealth and grace and kindness. In today's society, we have churches that are basically having people come and just be what they are. And they actually give in to the culture and the style of the world. I read a quote that was brought out 150 years ago by a man named Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He said the reason that the church has so little effect on the world is because the world has had so great of effect on the church. And that was 150 years ago. And it's happening today. 
by people's lives, not saying, it's not my life, it's God's. You see, in your notes there, I made a statement. God loves us so much that he gave his son to die for us. Yes, just the way we are. But he loves us too much to expend the love of his son to leave us the way he found us. But he can't change us. We have to make a choice. I want to be changed. You see in your notes, Romans 8, 28. I'm going to skip over that. You can go home and read it. But I'm going to take you down to Psalm 34. Well, pastor, if God is really doing all this stuff in my life, why do I go through the struggles? Why do I go through the difficulties? I'm really trying to live for him. I really am trying to keep him first. What's the psalmist write? Read it with me. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Let's say that again. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Let's say it again. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Okay, stop there for a second. Does it say because you're righteous, you're not going to have any problems? Does it say maybe, you know, every once in a while something might happen? Is that what it says? What's it saying? Many. We live in a world that is diametrically opposed to us. So when you go through a struggle, you go through a hard time, why, why does it bother you? Well, I don't like it. I don't either. But God said, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to go through it. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to face it. But if you notice when God showed us, here's the problem, folks. You're going to deal with lots of stuff. But then he said, if you will stay in faith, if you will stay in belief, if you will stay in trust, what's the next line say? But I'll deliver you out of every one. Now look at the wording. He didn't say, I'll keep you from. You're going to go right into him sometimes. Fall flat face in that lion's den. But God said, you're going to see what you believed. If you'll believe what you're looking to see, you'll see it. It won't be without cost. I want to take you to James out of the Bible I borrowed and look what it says here James chapter 1 I don't think I left in your notes but I'm going to read a couple more things here then I'm going to ask worship team to come James chapter 1 my goodness got so much stuff in this Bible, I got to find, where is it at? 
this is all the beginning stuff. There it is. I found it. Start with the fifth verse. If you need wisdom, if you don't know how to live this faith life, look what it says. Just ask. And God will gladly tell you. He will gladly help you. He will not resent you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that you really expect him to answer. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. This is the New Living Translation. Be sure you really expect him to answer. For if you're doubtful, unsettled, you're just going to be tossed around. And people that don't expect should not expect to receive anything from God simply because they can't make up their mind on whose side they're on. They waver back and forth and they're unstable. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. Why do we have such a struggle seeing what we're believing? Because we have a struggle believing what we're trying to see. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about this faith. Once again, I'm going to read out the living translation. Are you all okay that we do things a little bit different? We're going to go to Hebrews 11. We call it the Faith Hall of Fame. And I'm going to read it once again out of the living translation. And I want you to see what it says. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. What is trust? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. What is belief? They're all three the same word. It's the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen and it is the evidence that what I've believed I'm going to see. Things that have not yet happened I'm going to see. See, this is what faith, this is what a life of faith is. As I wrap this up, I want to begin to ask, like we really believe, then we'll begin to really believe. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts I have for you declares the Lord. Thoughts to give you peace and not evil, a future and a hope. If you go into the original language and it's actually written in the King James Version, the end of that, of Jeremiah 29, 11, it ends this way, and to give you an expected end. Did you know, as I shared <coughs> a little while ago, 
I'm not a pastor just because I chose to be a pastor. God ordained this for my life. And you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and God has ordained a plan for your life. But you and I keep going out and trying to find what we want to do with our life. When do we start to say, God, what did you plan for my life? See, this isn't popular preaching, but it is gospel preaching. It's Bible. Since when did God ask Matthew, well, Matthew, what do you want to do with your life? Did he ever do that? Remember in the Bible, it says he talked to Job and he said, Job, did I ask you how to hang these stars? When I was set in the north and the south and the east and the west, did I ask you, Pam, did God, did you, did God show up one day and just ask you, what do you think? But you know what God did in his word and in her heart of hearts? He said, I got a plan for you. If you just ask me, I'll show you. Too many of our college kids are going to college. And you know, so many of them graduate and never even do what they went to college for. Because they're asking the wrong people. Stop asking the stinking professors. And start asking the creator. What is the plan you have for my life? Some of us, when we die, I've done many funerals of people that I know personally. And I just write down, a life well lived. Did they do everything that God planned? No, but listen, neither did Paul the apostle. He said, there's so many more things I want to do. But he said, my time's done. I did all the things that God wanted me to do. And can I tell you, if you start to live that life, Everything you're believing, you will see. If you start to live that life, everything you're believing, you will see. God has an expected end for you and for me. In Ephesians 3.20, it's on the screen. Now to him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above anything I can ask or think. How's it going to happen? According to his power that works in me. Let me read that same thing out of the New Living Translation. Look what it says here. If I can find it in... This is an interesting Bible. Now glory be to God by his mighty power. This is a chick that reads her Bible. She's got this highlighted. Now glory by his mighty power at work within me. He is able to accomplish infinitely more than I could ever dare to ask or hope. David said, Lord, I lay this before you. 
And then I wait with expectation. The truth of your life and mine. Why do we not see what we say we believe? Is it the devil? God? Our lack of faith? Or could it be simply a wrong understanding of what life and faith is all about? We must realize that we'll never see what we have believed until we choose to believe without a shadow of a doubt that it's God's plan that I see that I believed. Amen. What court are you in? D, go back to C. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. just a moment we're not going to have an altar call we're not going to do anything because all I planned today was plant seeds to help us to start to ask God God you got a different plan for this life than I do don't you ladies and gentlemen I believe so many Christians fall far beneath where God has planned only because we have bought into the lie of the world that it's not us. And it never has been. It's always about bringing glory to God. He, he wrote the plan for our life before you were ever conceived. And he said, I saved you by my grace and I gave you the faith, the trust, the belief to be able to fulfill the plan that I had wrote a long time ago. But still, we struggle with it. We struggle with it because we're looking everywhere for it instead of to the one that we need to look to. He's the one that has the plan, and he's the one that will give it. This next three weeks, as we continue this series, by God's grace, I hope to help you find that plan for your life. Not me, God's word. All I'm going to do is take you into God's word and say, this is what it says. This is what it says. This is what it says. And through that, you're going to find what he says to you. So I want you to pray. Seeds been planted today, but it is going to sprout first an ear, and then a, a stalk, and then an ear, and then a, 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 a cob in the ear, and the faith of God is going to blossom in your life. But you need to come. You need to come. Come with expectation 
that what you have believed, you're ultimately going to see. Can you say amen? Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. Free.